Chapter Twenty Eight of Cousin Betty by Honoré de Balzac, translated by James Waring. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Chapter Twenty Eight. Lisbeth, to all appearance at war with Madame Marneffe, had taken up her abode with Marshal Hulot. Ten days after these events, the bans of marriage were published between the old maid and the distinguished old officer, to whom, to win his consent, Adeline had related the financial disaster that had befallen her Hector, begging him never to mention it to the baron, who was, as she said, much saddened, quite depressed, and crushed alas he is as old as his years she added so lisbeth had triumphed she was achieving the object of her ambition she would see the success of her scheme and her hatred gratified she delighted in the anticipated joy of reigning supreme over the family who had so long looked down upon her yes she would patronize her patrons she would be the rescuing angel who would dole out a livelihood to the ruined family she addressed herself as madame la comtesse and madame la maréchale curtsying in front of a glass adeline and hortense should end their days in struggling with poverty while she a visitor at the tuileries would lord it in the fashionable world a terrible disaster overthrew the old maid from the social heights where she so proudly enthroned herself on the very day when the bans were first published the baron received a second message from africa another alsatian arrived handed him a letter after assuring himself that he spoke to baron hulot and after giving the baron the address of his lodgings bowed himself out leaving the great man stricken by the opening lines of this letter dear nephew you will receive this letter by my calculations on the seventh of august supposing it takes you three days to send us the help we need and that it is a fortnight on the way here that brings us to the first of september if you can act decisively within that time you will have saved the honour and the life of yours sincerely johann fischer this is what i am required to demand by the clerk you have made my accomplice for i am amenable it would seem to the law at the assizes or before a council of war of course you understand that johann fischer will never be brought to the bar of any tribunal he will go of his own act to appear at that of god your clerk seems to me a bad lot quite capable of getting you into hot water but he is as clever as any rogue he says the line for you to take is to call out louder than any one and to send out an inspector a special commissioner to discover who is really guilty rake up abuses and make a fuss in short but if we stir up the struggle who will stand between us and the law if your commissioner arrives here by the first of september and you have given him your orders sending by him two hundred thousand francs to place in our storehouses the supplies we profess to have secured in remote country places we shall be absolutely solvent and regarded as blameless you can trust the soldier who is the bearer of this letter with a draft in my name on a house in algiers he is a trustworthy fellow a relation of mine incapable of trying to find out what he is the bearer of 
i have taken measures to guarantee the fellow's safe return if you can do nothing i am ready and willing to die for the man to whom we owe our adeline's happiness the anguish and raptures of passion and the catastrophe which had checked his career of profligacy had prevented baron hulot's ever thinking of poor johann fischer though his first letter had given warning of the danger now become so pressing the baron went out of the dining-room in such agitation that he literally dropped on to a sofa in the drawing-room he was stunned sunk in the dull numbness of a heavy fall he stared at a flower on the carpet quite unconscious that he still held in his hand johann's fatal letter adeline in her room heard her husband throw himself on the sofa like a lifeless mass the noise was so peculiar that she fancied he had an apoplectic attack she looked through the door at the mirror in such dread as stops the breath and hinders motion and she saw her hector in the attitude of a man crushed the baroness stole in on tiptoe hector heard nothing she went close up to him saw the letter took it read it trembling in every limb she went through one of those violent nervous shocks that leave their traces for ever on the sufferer within a few days she became subject to a constant trembling for after the first instant the need for action gave her such strength as can only be drawn from the very wellspring of the vital powers hector come into my room said she in a voice that was no more than a breath do not let your daughter see you in this state come my dear come two hundred thousand francs where can i find them i can get claude vignon sent out there as a commissioner he is a clever intelligent fellow that is a matter of a couple of days but two hundred thousand francs my son has not so much his house is loaded with mortgages for three hundred thousand my brother has saved thirty thousand francs at most nucingen would simply laugh at me vauvinet he was not very ready to lend me the ten thousand francs i wanted to make up the sum for that villain marneffe's boy no it is all up with me i must throw myself at the prince's feet confess how matters stand hear myself told that i am a low scoundrel and take his broadside so as to go decently to the bottom but hector this is not merely ruin it is disgrace said adeline my poor uncle will kill himself only kill us yourself and me you have a right to do that but do not be a murderer come take courage there must be some way out of it not one said hulot no one in the government could find two hundred thousand francs not if it were to save an administration oh napoleon where art thou my uncle poor man hector he must not be allowed to kill himself in disgrace there is one more chance said he but a very remote one yes crevel is at daggers drawn with his daughter he has plenty of money he alone could listen hector it will be better for your wife to perish than to leave our uncle to perish and your brother the honour of the family cried the baroness struck by a flash of light 
yes i can save you all good god what a degrading thought how could it have occurred to me she clasped her hands dropped on her knees and put up a prayer on rising she saw such a crazy expression of joy on her husband's face that the diabolical suggestion returned and then adeline sank into a sort of idiotic melancholy go my dear at once to the war office said she rousing herself from this torpor try to send out a commission it must be done get round the marshal and on your return at five o'clock you will find perhaps yes you shall find two hundred thousand francs your family your honor as a man as a state official a councillor of state your honesty your son all shall be saved but your adeline will be lost and you will see her no more hector my dear said she kneeling before him clasping and kissing his hand give me your blessing say farewell it was so heart-rending that hulot put his arms round his wife raised her and kissed her saying i do not understand if you did said she i should die of shame or i should not have the strength to carry out this last sacrifice breakfast is served said mariette hortense came in to wish her parents good morning they had to go to breakfast and assume a false face begin without me i will join you said the baroness she sat down to her desk and wrote as follows my dear monsieur crevel i have to ask a service of you i shall expect you this morning and i count on your gallantry which is well known to me to save me from having too long to wait for you your faithful servant adeline hulot louise said she to her daughter's maid who waited on her take this note down to the porter and desire him to carry it at once to this address and wait for an answer the baron who was reading the news held out a republican paper to his wife pointing to an article and saying is there time this was the paragraph one of the terrible notes with which the papers spice their political bread and butter a correspondent in algiers writes that such abuses have been discovered in the commissariat transactions of the province of oran that the law is making inquiries the peculation is self-evident and the guilty persons are known if severe measures are not taken we shall continue to lose more men through the extortion that limits their rations than by arab steel or the fierce heat of the climate we await further information before enlarging on this deplorable business we need no longer wonder at the terror caused by the establishment of the press in africa as was contemplated by the charter of eighteen thirty i will dress and go to the minister said the baron as they rose from the table time is precious a man's life hangs on every minute oh mamma there is no hope for me cried hortense and unable to check her tears she handed to her mother a number of the revue des beaux-arts madame hulot's eye fell on a print of the group of delilah by count steinbach under which were the words the property of madame marneffe the very first lines of the article signed v showed the talent and friendliness of claude vignon poor child said the baroness 
alarmed by her mother's tone of indifference hortense looked up saw the expression of a sorrow before which her own paled and rose to kiss her mother saying what is the matter mamma what is happening can we be more wretched than we are already my child it seems to me that in what i am going through to-day my past dreadful sorrows are as nothing when shall i have ceased to suffer in heaven mother said hortense solemnly come my angel help me to dress no no i will not have you help me in this send me louise adeline in her room went to study herself in the glass she looked at herself closely and sadly wondering to herself am i still handsome can i still be desirable am i not wrinkled she lifted up her fine golden hair uncovering her temples they were as fresh as a girl's she went further she uncovered her shoulders and was satisfied nay she had a little feeling of pride the beauty of really handsome shoulders is one of the last charms a woman loses especially if she has lived chastely adeline chose her dress carefully but the pious and blameless woman is decent to the end in spite of her little coquettish graces of what use were brand-new grey silk stockings and high-heeled satin shoes when she was absolutely ignorant of the art of displaying a pretty foot at a critical moment by obtruding it an inch or two beyond a half-lifted skirt opening horizons to desire she put on indeed her prettiest flowered muslin dress with a low body and short sleeves but horrified at so much bareness she covered her fine arms with clear gauze sleeves and hid her shoulders under an embroidered cape her curls à l'anglaise struck her as too fly-away she subdued their airy lightness by putting on a very pretty cap but with or without the cap would she have known how to twist the golden ringlets so as to show off her taper fingers to admiration as to rouge the consciousness of guilt the preparations for a deliberate fall threw this saintly woman into a state of high fever which for the time revived the brilliant colouring of youth her eyes were bright her cheeks glowed instead of assuming a seductive air she saw in herself a look of barefaced audacity which shocked her lisbeth at adeline's request had told her all the circumstances of wenceslas's infidelity and the baroness had learned to her utter amazement that in one evening in one moment madame marneffe had made herself the mistress of the bewitched artist how do these women do it the baroness had asked lisbeth there is no curiosity so great as that of virtuous women on such subjects they would like to know the arts of vice and remain immaculate why they are seductive it is their business said cousin betty valerie that evening my dear was i declare enough to bring an angel to perdition but tell me how she set to work there is no principle only practice in that walk of life said lisbeth ironically the baroness recalling this conversation would have liked to consult cousin betty but there was no time for that poor adeline 
incapable of imagining a patch of pinning a rosebud in the very middle of her bosom of devising the tricks of the toilet intended to resuscitate the ardors of exhausted nature was merely well dressed a woman is not a courtesan for the wishing woman is soup for man as moliere says by the mouth of the judicious gros rene this comparison suggests a sort of culinary art in love then the virtuous wife would be a homeric meal flesh laid on hot cinders the courtesan on the contrary is a dish by carême with its condiments spices and elegant arrangement the baroness could not did not know how to serve up her fair bosom in a lordly dish of lace after the manner of madame marneffe she knew nothing of the secrets of certain attitudes this high-souled woman might have turned round and round a hundred times and she would have betrayed nothing to the keen glance of a profligate to be a good woman and a prude to all the world and a courtesan to her husband is the gift of a woman of genius and they are few this is the secret of long fidelity inexplicable to the women who are not blessed with the double and splendid faculty imagine madame marneffe virtuous and you have the marchesa di pescara but such lofty and illustrious women beautiful as diane de poitiers but virtuous may be easily counted so the scene with which this serious and terrible drama of paris manners opened was about to be repeated with this singular difference that the calamities prophesied then by the captain of the municipal militia had reversed the parts madame hulot was awaiting crevel with the same intentions as had brought him to her smiling down at the paris crowd from his milord three years ago and strangest thing of all the baroness was true to herself and to her love while preparing to yield to the grossest infidelity such as the storm of passion even does not justify in the eyes of some judges what can i do to become a madame marneffe she asked herself as she heard the doorbell she restrained her tears fever gave brilliancy to her face and she meant to be quite the courtesan poor noble soul what the devil can that worthy baron hulot want of me crevel wondered as he mounted the stairs she is going to discuss my quarrel with celestine and victorin no doubt but i will not give way as he went into the drawing-room shown in by louise he said to himself as he noted the bareness of the place crevel's word poor woman she lives here like some fine picture stowed in a loft by a man who knows nothing of painting crevel seeing comte popinot the minister of commerce buy pictures and statues wanted also to figure as a mycenas of paris whose love of art consists in making good investments adeline smiled graciously at crevel pointing to a chair facing her here i am fair lady at your command said crevel monsieur the mayor a political personage now wore black broadcloth 
his face at the top of this solemn suit shone like a full moon rising above a mass of dark clouds his shirt buttoned with three large pearls worth five hundred francs apiece gave a great idea of his thoracic capacity and he was apt to say in me you see the coming athlete of the tribune his enormous vulgar hands were encased in yellow gloves even in the morning his patent leather boots spoke of the chocolate-coloured coupe with one horse in which he drove in the course of three years ambition had altered crevel's pretensions like all great artists he had come to his second manner in the great world when he went to the prince de wissembourg's to the prefecture to comte popinot's and the like he held his hat in his hand in an airy manner taught him by valerie and he inserted the thumb of the other hand in the armhole of his waistcoat with a knowing air and a simpering face and expression this new grace of attitude was due to the satirical inventiveness of valerie who under pretence of rejuvenating her mayor had given him an added touch of the ridiculous i begged you to come my dear kind monsieur crevel said the baroness in a husky voice on a matter of the greatest importance i can guess what it is madame said crevel with a knowing air but what you would ask is impossible oh i am not a brutal father a man to use napoleon's words set hard and fast on sheer avarice listen to me fair lady if my children were ruining themselves for their own benefit i would help them out of the scrape but as for backing your husband madame it is like trying to fill the vat of the danaides their house is mortgaged for three hundred thousand francs for an incorrigible father why they have nothing left poor wretches and they have no fun for their money all they have to live upon is what victorin may make in court he must wag his tongue more must monsieur your son and he was to have been a minister that learned youth our hope and pride a pretty pilot who runs aground like a landlubber for if he had borrowed to enable him to get on if he had run into debt for feasting deputies winning votes and increasing his influence i should be the first to say here is my purse dip your hand in my friend but when it comes of paying for papa's folly folly i warned you of ah his father has deprived him of every chance of power it is i who shall be minister alas my dear crevel it has nothing to do with the children poor devoted souls if your heart is closed to victorin and celestine i shall love them so much that perhaps i may soften the bitterness of their souls caused by your anger you are punishing your children for a good action yes for a good action badly done that is half a crime said crevel much pleased with his epigram doing good my dear crevel does not mean sparing money out of a purse that is bursting with it it means enduring privations to be generous suffering for liberality it is being prepared for ingratitude heaven does not see the charity that costs us nothing saints madame may if they please go to the workhouse they know that it is for them the door of heaven for my part 
i am worldly minded i fear god but yet more i fear the hell of poverty to be destitute is the last depth of misfortune in society as now constituted i am a man of my time i respect money and you are right said adeline from the worldly point of view she was a thousand miles from her point and she felt herself on a gridiron like st lawrence as she thought of her uncle for she could see him blowing his brains out she looked down then she raised her eyes to gaze at crevel with angelic sweetness not with the inviting suggestiveness which was part of valerie's wit three years ago she could have bewitched crevel by that beautiful look i have known the time said she when you were more generous you used to talk of three hundred thousand francs like a grand gentleman crevel looked at madame hulot he beheld her like a lily in the last of its bloom vague sensations rose within him but he felt such respect for this saintly creature that he spurned all suspicions and buried them in the most profligate corner of his heart i madame am still the same but a retired merchant if he is a grand gentleman plays and must play the part with method and economy he carries his ideas of order into everything he opens an account for his little amusements and devotes certain profits to that head of expenditure but as to touching his capital it would be folly my children will have their fortune intact mine and my wife's but i do not suppose that they wish their father to be dull a monk and a mummy my life is a very jolly one i float gaily down the stream i fulfil all the duties imposed on me by law by my affections and by family ties just as i always used to be punctual in paying my bills when they fell due if only my children conduct themselves in their domestic life as i do i shall be satisfied and for the present so long as my follies for i have committed follies are no loss to any one but the gulls excuse me you do not perhaps understand the slang word they will have nothing to blame me for and will find a tidy little sum still left when i die your children cannot say as much of their father who is ruining his son and my daughter by his pranks the baroness was getting further from her object as he went on you are very unkind about my husband my dear crevel and yet if you had found his wife obliging you would have been his best friend she shot a burning glance at crevel but like dubois who gave the regent three kicks she affected too much and the rakish perfumer's thoughts jumped at such profligate suggestions that he said to himself does she want to turn the tables on hulot does she think me more attractive as a mayor than as a national guardsman women are strange creatures and he assumed the position of his second manner looking at the baroness with his regency leer i could almost fancy she went on that you want to visit on him your resentment against the virtue that resisted you in a woman whom you loved well enough to to buy her she added in a low voice in a divine woman 
crevel replied with a meaning smile at the baroness who looked down while tears rose to her eyes for you have swallowed not a few bitter pills in these three years eh my beauty do not talk of my troubles dear crevel they are too much for the endurance of a mere human being ah if you still love me you may drag me out of the pit in which i lie yes i am in hell torment the regicides who were racked and nipped and torn into quarters by four horses were on roses compared with me for their bodies only were dismembered and my heart is torn in quarters crevel's thumb moved from his armhole he placed his hand on the work-table he abandoned his attitude he smiled the smile was so vacuous that it misled the baroness she took it for an expression of kindness you see a woman not indeed in despair but with her honour at the point of death and prepared for everything my dear friend to hinder a crime fearing that hortense might come in she bolted the door then with equal impetuosity she fell at crevel's feet took his hand and kissed it be my deliverer she cried she thought there was some generous fibre in this mercantile soul and full of sudden hope that she might get the two hundred thousand francs without degrading herself buy a soul you were once ready to buy virtue she went on with a frenzied gaze trust to my honesty as a woman to my honour of which you know the worth be my friend save a whole family from ruin shame despair keep it from falling into a bog where the quicksands are mingled with blood oh ask for no explanations she exclaimed at a movement on crevel's part who was about to speak above all do not say to me i told you so like a friend who is glad at a misfortune come now yield to her whom you used to love to the woman whose humiliation at your feet is perhaps the crowning moment of her glory ask nothing of her expect what you will from her gratitude no no give me nothing but lend lend to me whom you used to call adeline at this point her tears flowed so fast adeline was sobbing so passionately that crevel's gloves were wet the words i need two hundred thousand francs were scarcely articulate in the torrent of weeping as stones however large are invisible in alpine cataracts swollen by the melting of the snows this is the inexperience of virtue vice asks for nothing as we have seen in madame marneffe it gets everything offered to it women of that stamp are never exacting till they have made themselves indispensable or when a man has to be worked as a quarry is worked where the lime is rather scarce going to ruin as the quarry men say on hearing these words two hundred thousand francs crevel understood all he cheerfully raised the baroness saying insolently come come bear up mother which adeline in her distraction failed to hear the scene was changing its character crevel was becoming master of the situation to use his own words End of chapter twenty eight